Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christian Victoria, the Faith to Heal Community Podcast. I am your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. That's right, Studio B. Studio B. And so we are going to be studying the Torah portion, Ki today, but before we get to that, uh, I just want to say thank you to Avi Lipkin. We had uh, Avi here with us last night, uh, for those of you who who know of him. He has been you know, going on kind of a speaking circuit to churches and whatnot. He's an Orthodox Jew from Israel. Uh, before, what He's been going around for 30 years, he said, so that's incredible. Um, and then next week we have Lars and Narsen, who is a well-known author and the head of the ministry, The Watchman International, which is a <coughs> prayer ministry that does prayer in... In Israel, that's right. Yeah, in Jerusalem, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, which I find incredible, right? Because, I mean, it just... It is what it is. It's incredible. So he'll be here uh, both for our Shabbat service on the 21st and on uh, Monday night, the 23rd. I believe we will be live streaming both of those services so you can uh, get it from there uh, through our YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, or any of the places that we live stream and all that. And speaking of all of those platforms, if you're listening to this on iTunes, please, please, please stop what you're doing and go and give us a review. It helps get the word out. Same reviews. Thing. Yeah, yeah, reviews help. And then uh, if you're watching this uh, on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button and, uh, you know, the little bell that gets you the notifications when we put out a new video. Share it on the social media platforms, you know, all the social socialness out there. It helps um, because we're trying to get the word out that the Torah is relevant for Christians today. Amen. And that you don't have to be scared of it. Just read it. Take it. That's in, good. Let the word get into you and you as you get into the word. So, all right. The Torah portion this week is key tetse which means when you go out. And this is the Torah portion found starting in the book of Deuteronomy in 21.10 and ending in chapter 25 and verse 19. That's right. So we're going to go shoot right out of the gate here. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 10 through 14, we have a captive woman as a wife. So the uh, spoils of war. Mm. And then you get more war. Bah, that's right. <laughs> a captive woman as a wife. A captive woman had to shave her head and pare her nails Make her dress before becoming a wife. So that's interesting. A captive woman had to shave her head, pare her nails, make her dress before becoming a wife. It's very interesting how even Joseph had to get cleaned up before he came before Pharaoh. And it doesn't really tell us why. So for <laughs> those of you that are wondering why, I don't know. Maybe her nails looked a certain way and uh, they needed to be, you know, make her dress them. Yeah. Very interesting. It was probably a culture thing. The captive woman shall mourn for her parents for a full month. Uh, so this means that she got to be f basically free, left alone for a month. So they shave her head, right. her nails, you know, and then she had the opportunity. You, you wonder why, you know, people would say that, you know, God sent Joshua in there and the armies of Israel to commit genocide. But what we have to understand is that the seed of Satan is in their camp. Right. It's in the villages. It's in their midst. And unless you kill all the males, you know, that seed will become more evil. Yeah. More absolutely. evil seed. Um, and so it goes on to talk about uh, marriage. If a man had two wives who both bore him firstborn sons, and one of the wives was hated, 
Which son got the double portion of all that the father had? Well, that would be the son of the wife that was hated. The son of the wife that was hated. Uh, I was reading this in the commentary in the Humash, the Humash. Uh, this is an instance of God's compassion for when he sees the plight of the neglected wife, he will give her the first offspring. Just as Leah ha uh, had children before her more favored sister, Rachel. God supports the brokenhearted. You know, what's also interesting here is, um, you know, I always make the joke that what's the punishment for having multiple wives? Multiple wives. Multiple wives wow. is the punishment. But you can see here that the only law we're really talking about here when it comes to multiple spouses is that the one is loved and one is hated. So you can see that it's not yeah, I really mean, a functioning The tribes come process. from what? Four, four mothers and one father. And all these uh, interesting things. It goes on to say, because, you know, once you have a, a wife and a marriage, uh, could children be stoned if they were stubborn and rebellious towards their parents? Yes, they could. Yes, they could. Now, as far as the documentation of this, it's never been documented that this actually happened. Stoned for being stubborn? To that degree. I mean, I think there might be one case, So, if I'm not mistaken, one case. Uh, I don't know. So, no, something just, along those lines, maybe, or or maybe they were just rebellious. There's been stonings for, like, uh, doing things on the Sabbath, right? And then yeah, also the guy picked up Aiken sticks. And, uh, for keeping the but I thought it was something else, too, that somebody blasphemed God. Yeah. But that's not anything to do with the parents, I don't think. I don't remember, but I will tell you this. So this is what Samuel says to King Saul, which I found interesting. He says this uh, because King Saul kept the spoils. Um, of of war with the Amalekites and said, that, oh, I'm just going to sacrifice them to God, you know. And so this is what he says. He says, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord he also has rejected you from being king. So right here, Samuel is, is making the statement that stubbornness is as idolatry. That's right. That's good. It is good. Because you're basically putting your own opinion. Well, that's divine order. God. The mother and the father. Right. The, the kids. And, of course, uh, the, the father looks to, to God. The wife looks to the to the husband the kids look up to the parents and it's all a divine order right uh to look up to christ uh was it okay to leave a body on a tree overnight Ooh, no no uh in john nineteen thirty one, it says the jews therefore because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the sabbath day for that sabbath day was a high day besought Pilate their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away so they didn't have to break Jesus' legs. They, they took him down. Um, Galatians. Him, right. right. Uh, also Galatians 3.13. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Wow. I mean, think about it, Ron. Our sins are so bad that Jesus had to die on a piece of wood. I mean, sin is bad. Yeah. Even a white lie. Yeah. But I'm a white witch. 
but I'm a white witch. But you're still a witch. Suffer not a witch to live. But, you know, there's there's the examples of that. I'm going to let Ryan take it from here. And uh, we're going to go through Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, uh, dealing with the commandments. This is one of my favorite sections in Deuteronomy, just because it's simple, right? Just basic kindness to your neighbor, you know? And so this section uh, is chapter 22, and it, it's, we're calling it Commandments. And so here, here's kind of just a few little bullet points for me, because it kind of goes through a list of different things. So, so the Lord commanded his people to return their neighbor's, neighbor's lost possessions if found. So the Lord commanded his people to return their neighbor's lost possessions if found. So that is a law. It's a commandment, right? It's a commandment. So okay, what about this? But the law's been done away with. Now, or finders, right? keepers... Losers, weepers. Losers, That's weepers. what I have written down oh, here. Oh, my bad. Finders, keepers, <laughs> losers, weepers. Yeah. See, it's so interesting how the Torah is full of principles and, and purpose and things, you know. It is, absolutely. Now, it is important to help your neighbor when he was in need. So That's right. If you're, it, it even goes through kind of a list of things that you could do to Go help Go to the them. store for them or yeah. bring them meals, yeah, yeah. cut their grass. Um, or like you see them struggling with something to go and help them, you know, like, right. you know. Um, uh, you know, in, in rural communities, they have this thing called a barn raising, right? Where you get everything ready to build the barn. You get all the walls all framed out and ready to go. But, like, you can't raise them by yourself and then connect them. So then they get the whole community out there, and they have a barn raising. Wow. And they turn it into a party. Make it a lot of fun. That's right. All right, so a woman was not allowed to marry. To, to I can't Are you okay? Them. I don't know. Do you need, do you need <laughs> coffee? Do you need the Daniel fast. That's that oatmeal. He had too much oatmeal. <laughs> too much fiber. Oatmeal. <laughs> a woman was not allowed to wear men's clothing, and a man was not to wear women's clothing. So, no cross-dressing. Right. So... Makes sense. Men are men and women yeah, are women. Yeah, it makes sense. So, when the men were men and the women were glad. That's right. That's what they say. All right, it is not okay to take the mother bird out of the nest to keep, but you can keep the young. Now, I was trying to review this one with my kids as part of their homeschooling. Um, and we they were asking, how does this make sense? How does this work? And I didn't really have a lot to say. I mean, I had some ideas like, hey, you can take the, the, the little birds. But, like, did you really want to eat the little birds? You know? I mean, you could take the eggs, but you can't take the mom. I understand the mom needs to continue procreating, right? And that was important because it continued to provide you That's food. a good point. Um, so I think that, you know, it was good to take the eggs and eat the eggs, but not the mother so that you could continue to have eggs, right? Right. But, uh, but like I said, I didn't quite get that one. All right. It was commanded to put a railing around your roof so nobody could fall off. This is uh, the ancient Morgan and Morgan would sue you. <laughs> the personal injury attorneys you know it's uh it's safety yes uh the three responsibilities of men uh, or a man is to provide protect and have dominion yeah make sure your kids are all buckled in make sure the house is safe see that's what most of us men want to do though is we want to have dominion but we don't want to provide and protect we just want the dominion piece won't work yeah not gonna do it all right so uh durant Deuteronomy <laughs> 22 10. I might have to be speaking says, <laughs> Thou shalt not plow with an ox and a donkey together. So that's unequally yoked. Yes. They'd be pulling and twisting and it wouldn't be a good wouldn't be a good fit. Yeah. You know, um, we make reference of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 16. I'll read it. 
uh, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Don't be unequally yoked. I like it. That is good. I like it. I also like this next one. What was to go on the four corners of your vesture or your garment? Uh, I would say fringes or zitzit. Zitzit. Do you want to read Numbers 15, 37 through 41? Would you like to read that? I can. I can also. I added that. You did. You did. So there's also, Deuteronomy says, Thou shalt make thee fringes upon the four quarters of thy vesture, wherewith thou coverest thyself. This is Numbers what? 15, verses 37 through 41, because it expounds on the zitzits. was first found in the Bible. 15, why you wear them. 37. Through 41, yeah. All right. Speak unto Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, that he take up the censer... This is 16. That's why it doesn't make any sense. You're off to a good start this morning. One. <laughs> 1537. <laughs> All right, here we go. I've got this. All right, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. And that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye used to go a-whoring. That ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your so God. So the Zizis are for you to remember. That's right. You know, uh, I, I found two references here that's kind of interesting about the seats or even uh, any kind of part of the garment that people would want to grab or, or gravitate to. In Zechariah chapter 8, verse 23, this has been spoken of twice now mm-hmm. by Jeremy Gimpel and Avi Lipkin. That's right. And then the Holy Spirit showed me before he even shared it. But it says this in Zechariah eight twenty three: Thus saith the Lord of hosts, In those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Imagine that. Taking hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew. The, the zitzitz, you know. Wow. Grabbing it. Uh, in Matthew 9, I like this one. In Matthew 9, let's see here, Matthew... Verse 20 through 20. Matthew 9. That's not going to work. Matthew 9, verse 20. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. Wow. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. She grabbed his garment. There's another verse uh, that's interesting. I'm not sure exactly where it's at, the address, but that, that, that there would be healing in his wings. Right. So she felt she grabbed his seats. The prophecy was that he would be, uh, if he was the Messiah, that miracles would happen, healings would happen. And it did. 
the healing, yeah, the uh, healing in his wings. And I think the, the ZTs of the fringes could be called wings. I'm not sure yeah. if that's true or not. But something to think about to just touch his garment. Now, they didn't have zitzits in the Greek, so they, they used right. the word hem or garment or something right, like that. Right, fringes. Yeah, I understand. All right, so I think we're on to uh, the next section in Chapter 22. It's all yours. <laughs> We've been trying to push this one off. No, I'll do it. I'll do okay, it. Okay. I'll do it. I'll do this one. It's called Sexual Matters. Oh, okay. Deuteronomy Chapter it's 22. That's right. 13 through 30. That's my love language. All right. Uh, gosh, why well, I got to bring that up? A woman who was hated and accused of not being a virgin had to prove it to her husband. So well, we can really see some purity laws here. Yeah. But we're really in trouble in, in America. The punishment for the husband, if the accusations were false, was that he was to be chastised and give a hundred shekels of silver to the father of the damsel for false accusations. Yep. Once again, a uh, rest, uh, retribution or restitution. Uh, the punishment for the wife, if the accusations were true, would be that she was brought to the door of her father's house and stoned to death. Ouch. Yeah, so that's quite an example. Uh, that's a pretty, that's a that's a severe punishment. It is, but I think the point here is the deception more than anything. Because up to that point, um, you know, she's been portraying herself as a virgin when in fact she wasn't. Right? So that's, I think, where that issue comes in. Now, uh, what was the punishment for adultery? It's death. I put stone to death, but it says death. It's Deuteronomy 22.22. And then, of course, in Leviticus 20, verse 10, it says this. Leviticus 20, verse 10. It says they both die. And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. So they're both married and together. Yeah. The adulterer and the adulteress. Not good. Uh, Ryan, if you could read... Uh, can you go to um, this woman caught in adultery, John 8, verses 3 through 11. Let's, let's check out this storyline that's interesting about adultery in the New Testament. John, John chapter 8, verses 3 through 11, the woman caught in adultery. What, right. what, what happened here? Let's tell the story in the New Testament. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that he might have to accuse him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first cast at her a stone, cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none, of, none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Wow. You know, the, the question I have, Ryan, is where was the man she was with? I also have that same question. 
So she committed adultery. Because it says clearly both of them. Well, like an adulterer, and adulteress, the adulterer is the male, the adulteress is the female. Right. So both couples were married in Leviticus, and then they committed adultery. But what if one person is married, but one person isn't? It's the same. It's the act of adultery. It's That's true. what it is. It's yeah. the act of adultery. Right. Yeah, because it even says here, if a man, because it's the woman that's married, right? So it says that Well, I guess you would still be an adulterer if you're a male, adulterous if you're a female. But here, look, it says here, if a man be found lying, this is Deuteronomy 22, 22. If a man be found lying with a woman married to a husband, then they shall both of them die, both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shalt thou put away evil from Israel. No, I say stoned to death, but I, I couldn't find that. Mm. So I guess that's the, the punishment. Well, because they were going to stone her so in maybe the New it, Testament. I got to do a little more research. Right. You see, I don't know if I found stoned to death for adultery, but it says you to be put to death. Well, put to death, but it shows you in the New Testament example, right. they were going to stone That's them. true. Um, a, uh, a betrothed woman had to cry out if a man tried to lay with her in the city so she would be innocent of the charges of adultery. Yes. So not consensual. Right. That's, that's what that's all about. If a man lay with a virgin, he was obligated to marry her afterwards. This means no more dating after that. Boy, that would change things, wouldn't it? I mean, it? think about just hanging out with some women, just hanging out, but then you want to be intimate with this particular one. Yeah. It's like, well, no more dating because yeah. now you got to marry her. Well, now you're yoked for the rest of your life, providing for her needs and everything. Which is the right thing to do. If you think about it, that's how God thinks about marriage. It's so sacred, so holy. Right. But we treat it, you know, like underwear. Just change my underwear. I mean. That's how we, that's what we do. Yeah. We is the. Yeah. The culture. The uh, The man had to give the father of the virgin 50 shekels of silver. Which, what is that? Is that higher than the normal dowry price? I don't know, but that's uh, interesting that. Because uh, he dowry took her virginity. Right. Either 20 or 50. Uh, it was not permitted to marry your father's wife. Well, that should go without saying, but. That could be a, that could be a mess. Yeah. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Ryan, and I got some notes here, but uh, let's hit Deuteronomy 23. Persons excluded from the congregation. I will say I'm glad that the last section's over. We, we got through. Yeah, we'll I mean, those, those are purity laws. Whew. I know. Yeah. Um, all right, so could an illegitimate child enter the congregation of the Lord? Uh, no. No. No, they couldn't. Um an Amorite and a Moabite were not allowed in the congregation of the Lord. Okay, let's go back to number seven. Okay. Uh, something to think about. Could an illegitimate child enter the congregation of the Lord? Uh, even to the 10th generation, the answer is no. That's correct, yeah. So, it's interesting that if you look at, um, I would say, Matthew chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, we have the generations from Judah to David. Okay, so... You have Judah, Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, Hezron, Ram, Aminadab, Nashon, Salomon, Boaz, Obed, Jesse, and then David. So it says here, could an illegitimate child enter the congregation of the Lord even to the 10th generation? Mm. Because Judah had illegitimate children through Tamar. Right. So because of David now, he's able to come into the congregation. Uh. Because it's the 10th generation, even up to the 10th generation. That's will, why he becomes king. I will say this. There, are, there is some speculation based on Psalm 51 that David may have been illegitimate in some way, shape, or form as well, though. You know, that's interesting because uh, I've heard it said, but I'd have to research it out. I don't want to... I'll tell you what... what well, let uh, me just say this. Here, here's what I want to say. Um, remember when uh, 
Solomon, well, it was Samuel, the prophet Samuel, comes to what Jesse, right? That's the father of David. Correct. Yeah. The root of Jesse is David. Yep. Uh, who was Obed before that? Uh, and so, anyway, uh, did Samuel come to the father and say, "Are these all your children?" He says, "Yes, these are all my children." Then he says, "Wait, I have another son that's out in the field named David." So I think that's interesting that he was saying, "No, that's all my children." No, is there one more? Is there one more? So it's kind of interesting that I'd like to look into that. Um, okay, so it says, "Behold," so this is chapter or Psalm fifty-one. Uh, verse 5. Uh, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived, did, did my mother conceive me. Wow. So David said that in Psalm 51. It says, in sin did my mother conceive me. I was shapen in iniquity. Maybe they weren't married. In sin did my mother conceive me. I, I mean, I don't... I mean, is Jesse still the father? I don't know. I would assume interesting, yes. Interesting. Because it's assume. Obed, Jesse, and David. has to be David. the son of Jesse. That's interesting, you know, because uh, as we get into this, uh, an Ammonite and a Moabite were not allowed in the congregation of the Lord because they're illegitimate. Uh, they're relatives of Lot. Uh, what comes to my mind is, well, who, who would be illegitimate? Look at Hosea. Yeah. She had Jezreel, which was legitimate. So she's a prostitute. Right, Gomer. Gomer. Yeah. What did I say? You said Hosea. Oh, yeah. Hosea marries Gomer, yeah. the prostitute. And she's already got, a, you know, practicing one of the oldest jobs in the world. Yeah. And um, they say it's the oldest profession, but I, I think farmer is the oldest profession. That's or a good. I, I, I'd rather say that too. So they have Jezreel, but then she goes off out of the marriage from Hosea. Gomer does, and she has Lo Ruhamah, which is a daughter, and her name means no mercy. Then it goes into Lo Ami, not my people, which is of course a son. Yeah. So great will be the day of Jezreel, the legitimate son. See, we're legitimate. And that's the thing that I want to remind everyone. Uh, also, if you could read real quickly here, Ryan, uh, in regards to the second Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 45 through 49. First oh, you know what? We'll save that. Oh. We'll save that. Okay. We'll save that. Um, put, a, put a pen in it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll save that. Okay. Uh, because I think it's in, it's in, in regards to... Yeah, it's in regards. To, yeah, we'll save that one for uh, when we get into divorce. Okay, so wow, sexual matters and divorce—it's not in, good in people that are excluded from the congregation. So we just we just went over the illegitimate children to the tenth generation. So now an Ant, an Ammonite and a Moabite were not allowed in the congregation of the Lord. Relatives of Lot, right? Interesting. That's the modern-day country of Jordan today. But here's the thing. So Deuteronomy 23, 7 says, Thou shalt not abhor an Edomite, for he is thy brother. Thou shalt not abhor an Egyptian, because thou wast a stranger in his land. I find that interesting. And who were the Edomites but Esau? Right, Jacob and Esau. So it's interesting, though, that the Edomites are their brothers, but the Ammonites and the Moabites aren't, because those were, you know... More loosely related. Illegitimate, yeah. More, Kissing uh, cousins. I don't know about loose, but illegitimate. Yeah, I mean, what do you related. call it? Uh, inbreds. Oh, that's true. Yeah, now that you say it. Inbreds. All kinds of fun stuff today. Uh, so, all right, so an unclean man was not, was allowed back in the camp. Okay, an unclean man was allowed back in the okay? camp. In the <laughs> evening after washing himself. Maybe I can't see. I got to get my eyes checked. You know, uncleanness can be found in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. 
and it's the 17 works of the flesh. So uncleanness is actually uh, a work of the flesh. And so you'd have the purity laws would come into effect in Leviticus and stuff. It's very Wait, I'm sorry. Did you just say that uncleanness is one of the 17 works of the flesh? I know. And that's found in what book? Galatians. But that's the New Testament. Yeah. Chapter 5, verses 19 through 20, there's 17 works of the flesh. Uncleanness is one of them. And that's so, not uncleanness like being dirty. I mean, think about the purity laws. Yeah. I mean, you know, our righteousness is as filthy rags. But if God has asked us to be pure and holy, then we should do that. Yeah. I mean, so uncleanness is one of those things that fall in line with, with one of the works of the flesh. Yeah. Wow. All right, so it was important to bury human waste so the camp could remain holy or clean and holy. That's right. So we want to avoid dysentery. Yeah, well, I mean, the fact that God had to tell them, right, means that somebody wasn't doing it, (laughs) you know? So uh, clearly it's something that your parents teach you, you know, as a kid, but maybe some people didn't have parents, you know? Right. So, uh, You know, it's funny that um, I told my boys, don't relieve yourself on the church property. Right, like don't pee on go the in the tree. bathroom, yeah, yeah. or go to some Gentile land, <laughs> but not this property. You said Gentile land. Oh, I never relieve myself on this property. Yeah, no. I right. mean, you think I'm out in the woods? Yeah, yeah. No, it's holy ground. Yeah. Uh. Uh-uh. Now there might be some exceptions, some emergencies. I mean, I'm sure, but well, clearly, uh, can you imagine you can that eat the holy showbread? If yeah, there's an emergency, can, can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine we add that to our announcements? But I don't think you should. We'd like to remind everyone not to relieve yourself of <laughs> liquid waste on the church property. It's holy. Please find a bathroom. Only. That's why I like to leave certain things unlocked at the fellowship hall. Hey, you guys, you might need to use the bathroom, you know. Yeah. Christians are It comes up, though, but see, it's all relevant. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So uh, chapter 23, verse 14 says this. For the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp to deliver thee and to give up thine enemies before thee. Therefore shall thy camp be holy, that he see no unclean thing in thee, and turn away from thee. Wow. So this is the reason why we're going through all of these purity laws, right? Is because we have I like the Lord that. I have walking a, amongst That's true. In, in Leviticus 26, 12, And I will walk among you, and will be your God, and you shall be my people. Hallelujah. Wow, I like that. I need him to walk among us. Lord, walk among us. All right, so here's another one. It's not okay to charge your brother interest. Unless you're in commerce. Um, <laughs> in that case, you still don't charge your brother interest, right? Oh, boy, those interest rates. Now, Unbelievable. Does that count for half-brothers? Half-interest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have a half-brother. I only have one brother. That's interesting. That's all about commerce, too. It's all about money, monetary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know, the usury laws are interesting that you're not allowed to charge usury to the poor. So it specifically talks about the poor, but someone else you're allowed to charge usury to. Wow. All right. So when thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it, for the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 21. Wow. You know what? So that goes along with that other one. and, And remember now, there's five offerings. The burnt offering, the meal offering, and the peace offering. Yeah. So if you fulfill a vow, you bring a peace offering, you get to partake of it. Yeah. Hey, I fulfilled a vow. Like, hey, you know, like for me, you know, I got down to 210 pounds, you know, that's what I want. Oh, Not you yet. got there. Yeah, oh, okay. I, I can't eat the peace offering yet. <laughs> so I weighed myself. I'm 228 pounds, eight ounces in this corner. And uh, so How anyway, I weigh 228 pounds, eight ounces. So I want to get down to 210. Eight ounces. And then I can have a peace offering. So I'm going to lose 18 pounds. 
uh. and get down to 210 and keep chipping away, you know, but, but yeah, that's, that's my goal. Yeah, and then right. I'm going to go buy a new suit. Ooh. So, and I've got some nice clothes. If I just, you know, that's how I just decide my weight. Yeah. If my pants get tight. Yeah. I got to back off. Back off. Just push away from the table. Now, what does this have to do with vows? I guess it's about losing weight. Yeah, right. If you were to reach your, your goal. But this is also goes along with the usury piece, right? Because you don't just take money, right? Especially from, say, your brother and then not pay it back. Uh, because that would obviously be wrong. It's, it's about being a man of your word. Woman yeah. of your word. Right. Wow. That's right. And so uh, here's another little thing, right? If you were ever happen to be walking through your neighbor's vineyard. Yeah, right? and maybe how you vow. Just happen and to you're be hungry. on Mount Garazim, just cruising you along. Know, hey, look, grapes. And you just, you know, needed something to eat. Then guess what? According to Deuteronomy 23:24, it is okay to eat your neighbor's grapes and corn, but it's not okay to put your neighbor's grapes and corn into a vessel. So as you're walking by, you can yeah. pick on some, but you can't, like, fill up a bag. You know, right. or a bucket and take it with you. But that that makes sense, right? Because it's a little bit, you know. And then, of course, through. you know, they, they, what were they eating? The kernels of corn or kernels of wheat or something? They were the disciples and they jumped all over them. Because right, they could right, do right. that, but they didn't wash their hands. Well, no. It was, there's two things, right? So there was the harvesting of the wheat, which right. is an act of, you know, work. Right. Or creation on the Sabbath day. Right. And then there was a separate thing about the not washing of the hands. Right. But oh, okay. I thought they were walking through the, the wheat fields and they didn't wash their hands while they were eating them. It was both, right? So because Interesting. one was the harvesting of the wheat and the other one was they were eating. And that was, I think, in a public like market. So they were actually eating. Well, I don't think it had anything to do with the Sabbath, did it? The one where they harvested the wheat did, right? So they were harvesting because they were eating harvest- it. So... So I thought I thought this was like the example that we would get into like the Pharisees. No, I'm saying that here. they were going through the field and they were eating the kernels. Correct. And they said, why are you doing that? You didn't wash your hands. I don't know. But they didn't put it in vessels. I don't think they were harvesting. Yeah. We can look at that later. Next time on Christians. With no, Torah. I don't think that the disciples were out there harvesting the wheat. Well, no, we're not going to fish today. Harvesting like with a sickle. But the act from Jewish law standpoint of grabbing it straight off of the oh, stalks okay. got, I got you. act of harvesting. That's a good point. On the Sabbath. Now we're going to move on to some great subject matter <laughs> called divorce. All right? So I'm going to have Ryan read, okay? So we're going to so read this in practice. Now, now listen, this wow. is the best part of the Torah portion right here. Really? This right here is the best. Wow. Okay? Because now you're going to understand how much the Lord means to us. That's right. Yes. Okay. I so agree. I want you to read Deuteronomy uh, 24, verses 1 through 4. All right. So when a man hath taken a wife and married her, And it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, because he hath found some uncleanness in her. Then let him write her a bill of divorcement, and give it in her hand, and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her, and write her a bill of divorcement, and giveth it in her hand, and sendeth her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife... Her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. After that, she is defiled, for that is abomination before the Lord. And thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Okay, so basically, if you marry a woman, right, and divorce, and you divorce her, right. she goes to be with another man. Right, the original husband can't take her back. Right, it's an abomination. Once she's gone to be with another man as a husband, right, he can't take he her can't back. take her back. Uh, and so basically, uh, let's look at Jeremiah three eight, 
And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. So God divorced Israel, the northern kingdom, Ephraim, but not Judah. He, did, he divorced the northern kingdom of Israel, but he did not divorce Judah. Now Isaiah 50 verse 1 I like this verse. Thus saith the Lord, where is the bill of your mother's divorcement, whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities have you sold yourselves, and for your transgressions is your mother put away. So he's saying, thus saith the Lord, where is the bill of your mother's divorcement, whom I have put away? Yep. He's resolved it. How did he resolve it? In Romans 7, I'll read it. In Romans 7. Yeah, so... so in context, he divorced the northern kingdom of Israel. Right. Right? And now Paul is going to explain. Paul's going to explain some situation here about divorce. Okay. Um, you know, I read these verses to Jeremy Gimpel when we were here. I don't think we caught that on the podcast, but it was part of our conversation. Oh, it's it's really incredible because here's what it says in Romans 7, verses 1 through 4. Okay, so how can God remarry Israel then? What are the possibilities? What's the plan? Here it is. Romans 7, verse 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth? For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress though she be married to another man so now because jesus dies Je jesus dies he, god comes in the flesh she could be remarried right read verse four wherefore my brethren ye also are become dead to the law by the body of christ that you should be married to another even to him who is raised from the dead Come on, that we should bring forth fruit unto god for when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So Praise once God. again, the, uh, the sin of adultery is there. We committed it. He divorced us, and then he remarried us through Jesus Christ. Got it. Now. Uh, what's interesting is that the only way for God to remarry Israel, his bride, was to come in the flesh as the second Adam and die for us. Amen. First Corinthians, if you could read it, Ryan, 15, verses 45 through 49. All right, so it says here. The second Adam. And so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have been born the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Wow. So how about that? He's the second Adam. I like the word earthy was used like seven times. 
Earthy. 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 It threw me off. Earthy. <laughs> I I thought that was like a earthy. new age word. Like, Let's say know. beats when you eat beats. Earthy. Right. Or somebody that's like real earthy, you know, like kind of hippie-ish, you know, real earthy. natural, homeopathic earthly, style piece. But earthy. Earthy. Not earthly. <laughs> Not earthly. Earthy. Heavenly. Earthly. Earthy. Earthly. Heavenly. <laughs> Heavenly earthly. <laughs> you know, um... How long was a newly married man to remain at home with his wife? Uh, one year. So this is interesting. One year, right? Yes. That's how long they were at Mount Sinai. Uh, so in Numbers ten eleven it says, And it came to pass on the 20th day of the second month in the second year yeah. that the cloud was taken up from off the tabernacle of the testimony. And the children of Israel took their journeys out of the wilderness of Sinai, and the cloud rested in the wilderness of of Paran. Wow. There you go. So they went from Mount Sinai to Paran. So this is how long the children of Israel were at Mount Sinai after the marriage covenant of the Torah from God. All right. So it was important to listen to the priests when it came to the plague of leprosy. They were the first dermatologists. That's right. Uh, another one. It was not okay to keep a poor man's pledge overnight. So that's interesting. So if he came and gave you a deposit for something, you had to give it back to him because he's poor. Well, like let's say it was his jacket or coat. Right. Oh, especially. And then it's night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. The stranger, fatherless, and the widow were three groups of people that should be remembered and provided for. So there's uh, some special classes there. The stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. You better find out who the widows are. Yeah. The fatherless. So Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 1 through 3, uh, how many stripes could be given to a wicked man? 40. They say 39, save one. Well, and they would Just save in the case one. you don't yeah. count right. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I gave you a couple extra. It's terrible. And 40 is testing and trials and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So there's whipping right there. There's a grown man getting whipped. Yeah, you've grown men got whippings. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. That would be awesome. All right, it's time for your whipping. Uh, <laughs> you mean if it was your turn for the Well, whipping? it says wicked, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't think they'd be in your midst, right? Just go out and beat some wicked men. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. May I have another? No, I don't think so. <laughs> what animal was not to be muzzled when it treaded out corn? The ox. The ox. Can you go to 1 Corinthians 9.9, 9, Ryan? Ooh, 1 Corinthians Once again, we're going to be getting into cross-references. We really are into cross-references today. We will be. Cross-reference Tuesday. That's it. 1 Corinthians 9.9. 9. It says, uh, For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Right. So it talks about the... Uh, the ministers are taken care of. Right. right. Uh, if a man died with no children, was it his brother's responsibility to marry his sister-in-law to produce children in his brother's name? Yes. This could be one of those Twitter tweets, right, where they say, unpopular opinion, colon, and then they say, if your brother dies before providing his wife with children, then you have to marry her and provide her with children. <laughs> you know, something comes to mind here in Genesis 38. I want to read it, uh, verses 1 through 9. So Joseph becomes a slave in Egypt, and then we go into the story of Judah and Tamar. And it came to pass at that time, and, and of course, uh, Genesis 38, verse 1, and it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adulamite whose name was Herah. 
And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite, whose name was Shua. And he took her and went in unto her. And she conceived and bare a son, and he called his name Ur. And she conceived again and bare a son, and she called his name Onan. And she yet again conceived and bare a son and called his name Shelah. And he was at Chezeb when she bare him. And Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. Okay. Uh, and Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. Yikes. And Judah said unto Onan, Go into, unto thy brother's wife, and marry her, and raise up seed to thy brother. So there was Ur, then Onan. So Onan, you know, um, and Onan knew that the seed should not be his, and it came to pass when he went in unto his brother's wife that he spilled it on the ground, lest that he should give seed to his brother. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, wherefore he slew him also. So once again, um, Onan did not rise up to the responsibility uh, for Ur, and you're not to spill your seed, that's a law, Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and so the Lord slew him. And this, he uh, didn't do the right thing. Example, and then also, um, they call this brother in this situation what the kinsman redeemer. Is that right? That's interesting. Um, I believe uh, I know Boaz and Ruth. The situation that was is that interesting. Boaz was actually one one family member separated, and there was someone else that had the right of being the kinsman redeemer and and passed on their right, right? And so that's why Boaz was able to take up the cause of Ruth in the story of Ruth, right? Because he stepped up, right? But because of this, because you know his his kin had died. Well, you think about the monarchy too. For the scepter to not depart from Judah, and obviously to get a bad son in there, right. not doing his responsibility. Good, man. He's like, okay, well, you're not quite working out. I'm going to take you out. You know, there's there's a verse that says God kills and he makes alive. Yes, he does. And it's like, wow, that is a, that's a stiff punishment. I mean, it is what it is. That's what I'm saying. Think about this movement, Ryan. Oh, man, yeah. Can we make it to be what we want it to be? No, we want it to be what God wants it to be. We can't alter his purpose. Right. Breach of can't purpose. alter his purpose. All so right. If, uh, if the brother refused, he would be disgraced, right? disgrace and it was important not to have diverse measures so this is talking about one scale for buying yeah. and one scale for selling right um, you want to use the same scale for both right the measure with which you give that's right is the me- you know, that's interesting because I always thought it meant like you know what size like bucket you use to you know but maybe it's also this you know the measure that you give is the measure that you'll receive interesting is that a saying uh, yes, pressed down, shaken together, you know, all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. so basically you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. So it's like, yeah. That's another way of saying Reciprocation. It. This is referring more to um, the measure with which you give, right? The, how generous you are is right. how generous God will be to you, basically, in a nutshell. All right, so who was to be destroyed by the children of Israel for the wrong he's done to them? Amalek. The grandson of Esau, right. the, the enemy of the Israelites. The Amalekites. Uh, and, of course, it's interesting that uh, King Agag of Amalek, 1 Samuel 15, 33. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. King Saul is euthanized by an Amalekite. Because Saul says, you know, put me out of my misery. Yeah. You know, and so the Amalekite was taken out by David because he had no right to take the life of a king, even though he asked for it. That's the storyline there in first or Second Samuel chapter one verses five through ten, right. and this guy was only doing what King Saul told him to do. But then David didn't like what the Amalek had done, and he slayed him. 
Right. So, because he's Amalek. Uh, in some rabbinical interpretations, Amalek is, uh, the word is uh, etymologized as Amlek, a people who lick blood. Oh. Yeah. That's rough. see a lot of that in the horror movies and some things, you know, with, with evil. Like they lick blood. Dracula. They eat blood. Yeah. So, ah, the ah. grandson of Esau is Amalek. Gotcha. All right. <coughs> this has been fun. So what about, what's the end there for me? What do you got? You want to do yours? Sure. What two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion, Ki Tetse, when you go out? So my first one is this. I like basic black and white commands. Things like the Lord commanded his people to return their neighbor's lost possessions if found. Um, I think that this is one of the things that is underappreciated when it comes to the Torah. Because the Torah gives us just a basic, fundamental, moral guideline, right? Which, which is something that we all need, right? And the other one is don't shirk your responsibilities, right? Wow. Your, your posterity might depend on it, you know? And, uh, and God does not smile on that, to say the least. I like that. What you got? I got two things here. The first thing I got is stay pure along with your marriage. Yeah. Stay pure along with your marriage. Amen. You know, because if you don't, you know, sleep around, you don't have to marry them. But if you find the one you want to sleep with, then that's the one you got to marry. Right. So that's important. So stay pure along with your marriage. Uh, also, I'd like to say number two, God was divorced. But <laughs> God was a divorcee. He was divorced. Yeah. Uh, he was divorced from us. Right. He was divorced. Yeah. Uh, and married us again through Yeshua. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I know. That's incredible. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Why don't you pray us out? Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to get into your word, your word get into us. We thank you for, for this Torah portion. We thank you for the Jewish people. We thank you for the reconciliation of the Jews and the Gentiles all over the world that you are doing divine appointments and good things are happening even here, Father. We bind the enemy from this place, Father. We pray for your Holy Spirit to move, for us to grow and to prosper and to be in health and just to, to be fruitful. And uh, we thank you for the divine appointments. We thank you for the... The provision, the protection, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for our guests, Lars and Arson, coming with his wife, Harriet, and their granddaughter, Shia. And uh, we just thank you for all the good things that are happening during, during Elul and uh, the season of repentance of Teshuvah. And we ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Bless you. Have a great week.